You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hands up, don't shoot! Hands up, don't shoot! On May 25, 2020, a country locked away inside their homes from a deadly virus watched a 400-year-old sickness kill a man right before their very eyes. The murder of George Floyd at the hands of police officers shone an all-too-familiar light on police brutality and the systemic racism that beats at the very core of America. And without missing a beat, Americans from all walks of life slapped on a mask and did the most American thing possible, protesting. From the very birth of our nation, protesting was the spark that lit the flame within those oppressed colonies. From the mountaintop to the sidewalks outside of Stonewall, fighting back against brutality and oppression is not only within our DNA, but exactly how activism can lead to legislation. So lace up those marching boots, because today we're hitting the streets and making some noise. No A few months back, I had a thought. Well, more than a thought. The beginnings of a plan. What if the theater community and theater people alike came together and used what they inherently have within them? That activist voice. And what if we used that voice and those powers to keep the House, take the Senate, and win back the presidency this fall? And what if I put together a limited series where every other week we give you an action plan and an artist slash activist to inspire you to go out and get to work? Well, let's do it. I'm Eric Ulloa, and this is Do You Hear the People Sing? A Theater Person's Guide to Saving Democracy. Oh, and if you're here to reelect Donald Trump, you're in the wrong fucking place. So today we're talking about one of my favorite parts of activism protesting. But we're going to get into why I say my favorite a little later. Now, I know what you're saying. I know already what you're thinking. I can hear you screaming it at me. How does this apply to you in the 2020 election? Well, here's why. In a year where so many injustices are occurring, the good noise and the good trouble made from protesting will help us as we continue to refine not only Biden's platform, but what we as Democrats stand for and demand from our leaders going into the election. And now I want you to do it responsibly and I want you to do it safely. So I put together a sort of how-to guide because there are good protests and then there are idiots like this. 
We're here to stand up for our God-given rights under the Constitution of the United States of America. Sorry, Darren. You can wait a little bit longer for your haircut. So all the way back to the 1600s, colonial Americans started to realize the oppressive nature of the British and the governors they left in charge of these colonies. Now, these tensions resulted in numerous protests, riots, and in many instances, death. The rage continued to grow as the king taxed these colonies without any kind of representation in return, and riots such as the Stamp Act riot and the Boston Tea Party finally turned the dial to where our leaders decided to legislate. They would leave England, and we would become our own independent country. Now, legally, these founding fathers have given you the right to protest, and it's it's sort of what I call a hybrid between the right to freedom of assembly, the right to freedom of association, and the right to freedom of speech. Now, I have a document from the ACLU that provides a clear and concise guide as to your rights when protesting and what to do if you feel your rights have been violated. So let's start off with your rights. Now, your rights are strongest in what are known as traditional public forums, such as streets, sidewalks, and parks. You also likely have the right to speak out on other public property, like plazas in front of government buildings, as long as you are not blocking access to government building or interfering with other purposes the property was designed for. Now, private property owners can set rules for speech on their property. The government may not restrict your speech if it is taking place on your own property or within the consent of the property owner. Counter-protesters also have free speech rights. Police must treat protesters and counter-protesters equally. Police are permitted to keep antagonistic groups separated, but should allow them to be within sight and sound of one another. So yes, those Trump people can come there and give you shit, and there's nothing we can do about it. We just got to sit there and hear it, and hopefully make a little bit louder noise than they do. Now, when you are lawfully present in any public space, you have the right to photograph anything in plain view, including federal buildings and the police. On private property, the owner may set rules related to photography or video. And on this one, I want to jump in and tell you that it is important. Keep those phones handy because it is important to document these moments. Not only do I find that when I put out video of being in the protest and showing people that maybe live outside of the city in the suburbs, these peaceful protests, it completely evaporates this Fox News crap narrative that the protests are violent or leftist or nuts or Antifa or whatever crap used, whatever crap word they use. It shows them the truth of what we're trying to do. Make change by making some noise. So please keep those phones out. Also, if something were to happen with the police, it is important to have your phones out to document what happens for your rights. Now, you don't need a permit to march in the streets or on sidewalks as long as marchers don't obstruct car or pedestrian traffic. If you don't have a permit, police officers can ask you to move to the side of a street or sidewalk to let others pass for safety reasons. So there are rules there. If we are in and blocking traffic and it has not been established, they can't ask you to move and you do have to move. Now, what do you do if your rights have been violated? Uh, when you can, write down everything you remember, including the officer's badge and patrol car numbers and the agency they work for. You have to ask them. They have to give it to you. You have to go to their car and get it from them. Write it down. It's important. It's important. It's important, especially during this time. Uh, get the contact information for any witnesses, anybody around who saw it, get their number. If they have videos they took, get those videos too. Uh, take photographs of, God forbid, any injuries you sustained. Please take photos of those injuries. It's important to document them. Uh, once you have all this information, 
You can file a written complaint with the agency's internal affairs division or a civilian complaint board. Make sure you follow through on all this in a timely manner. Don't sit back and talk about it later on. Do it now in the moment when it's happening. Now, let's talk about some safety items, as most of the worries I hear from people about protesting are about their physical safety during a protest. And I, I want to start off with saying this. In the recent Black Lives Matter protests, I probably went to about 12 to 14 of them. Maybe during one, maybe during one, did I feel a tiny bit of aggression from the police coming towards us in a way where I thought, oh, there may be an altercation. Most of them were peaceful. Everyone in the group was peaceful. So know that you're, this is going to rarely happen, but you want to be ready in case, because if it does happen, you want to be prepared. So the first thing is, look, bring water. It is hot. They are long. Most times protesters alongside you have coolers full of water. I know during these protests, my God, they've had snacks. Somebody pulled up with a car with pizza. I mean, they, they are prepared. They are burning sage on the side of the protests. So not only are we being blessed, we are being fed and kept. But bring water. It's important to bring water. I can't tell you, I have many times fallen victim to lack of hydration. Uh, bring sunscreen. It's summer. It's hot. You don't want to get burned. Uh, I regretted uh, not putting some on for the Queer Liberation March's Pride. Bring sunscreen. Uh, travel in a group, guys. You want to travel in a group. Uh, if you want to get people together, power in numbers always. You can always check in with one another. It also is good for your safety to travel in a group. You don't want to be alone. God forbid something happened. You want to have somebody that can help you get out of the situation or can be witness to what happens. Um, the next one, in case something happens keep some goggles handy. At the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, there was a lot of tension going on between police and activists. I mean, it's still sadly going on, but there was a lot of tear gassing going on, a lot of that. I know for myself, I wear contacts. Tear gas and contacts don't work out too well together. So I carried a pair of goggles always either tied to my belt or over my hat, something where I could quickly slip it on in case tear gas was used or pepper spray was used so that I can safely get out and not affect my vision. Uh, you want to write the number of an emergency contact in a public defender on your arm. So if you have the number of your mother, your loved one, your sister, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, put it on your arm, write it onto your arm, and then find a number of a public defender on your arm just in case something should happen and you have to call somebody. You want to make sure that the number is available because you have one call in a moment and you want to make sure you have that right there and ready to go. Uh, you also want to pack necessary medication. If there's something you take, Every day you have to take for your health, pack it with you, throw it in your purse, throw it in your pocket. You don't know. God forbid something happens and you get charged and you go to jail for the, for the moment or for the night or whatever. You'd never know. You want to have that with you. You don't want to be caught in that circumstance. Now, I know you're probably wondering, how do I find out where these protests are? Well, folks, you can Google most any protests across the entire country. And what I'm going to give you now is New York specific. So recently, due to the George Floyd murder, we have an Instagram handle that is specifically for protests now going forward in NYC. You go to Instagram and look for the handle Justice for George NYC. Justice for George NYC. And every morning they post all of the protests that are coming up that day. Check it out and get to those streets. Now, again, I say all of these things, I'm just telling you to keep you safe, keep you ready in case anything should happen. But 99.9% .9 of these, in my experience, have always been very peaceful. Now, I want to tell you about uh, why I find protesting to be my favorite form of activism. Uh, and it wasn't always like that. Uh, in fact, my very first protests were for marriage equality, and I thought it was the most awkward thing possible. I thought the idea of shouting out things and making noise in public, 
was literally went against the very core of my nature to be embarrassed in public. And I could not get myself there. And, you know, you start doing it a couple times and then you see the communal nature around you and slowly it releases. Uh, this past couple of months has really opened my eyes to what I call my deepest experiences on a spiritual level of what it means to be an American. Uh, the story in particular goes to a vigil that began at St. John's and then everyone collected there and a minister gave a vigil for those who have died at the hands of violence against black Americans. We then took the vigil on the road and we went there and we marched on foot, calling out the chants, saying their names over and over and over again. And along the way, we would stop at monuments and statues erected to black leaders. We stopped at a statue of Frederick Douglass and the minister prayed over Frederick Douglass, thanked him for what he did for the cause and thanked him for what we were gonna do in the future to keep going further. We stopped at Harriet Tubman, the exact same thing, same blessings, same going forward. Along the way, we started getting deeper into Harlem. And what was incredible and has been incredible about the Black Lives Matter movement is that when you go to these marches, for the first time, you are seeing a majority of white Americans who have had enough, who have had enough and are finally doing the work that we have been asked to do for centuries, to stand alongside and stand up for minorities and black Americans who have been oppressed for years. And that's what was all around me. All around me, white Americans chanting, white Americans screaming for the rights that they deserve. And we marched up Harlem and you would see elderly black ladies in their windows staring out with their fist in the air, coming out with tears coming out of their eyes saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that, in that moment, I got to tell you guys, that, that's America. That is America. That is, that is more patriotic to find that communal spirit than waving a flag, than reciting an allegiance. To me, that is us going back to the roots of how we started, standing up to the powers that be and saying, this is not okay. This is not okay. And we're going to make noise until it changes and we're not going to stop. This is why I love this so much. This is why I recommend to so many of you, if you feel comfortable, if you feel safe and feel safe, trust me, get out there, make some noise. It'll wake you up in a way you will never believe. On a sweltering summer in 1776, 56 delegates signed a document so inflammatory at the time that the price of affixing one signature to it could be death due to treason. That declaration lists a set of charges against the ruling monarch and by the end declares that they shall be a new free country. And America was born. The very history of our country is one made up of documents where brave activists go against the ruling class or consensus and challenge it to change. At the height of the ongoing and very much necessary Black Lives Matter movement, an inflammatory document arrived at the doorstep of the American theater. Borrowing inspiration from August Wilson's The Ground on Which I Stand, the Dear White American Theater document gave a list of charges against white theater makers on their neglect and disrespect for people of color in the theater community. This document was signed by over 300 industry professionals from all sectors of our community. And today, we have two representatives here to discuss this incredibly important and necessary moment of transition we are in. Please welcome actor-activist Jose Lana and stage manager-activist Cody Renard-Richard. Welcome, guys. Hi. 
Hello. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, so glad to be here. I've, I've been so excited about this uh, panel we have because I, I think this is, we are at such an important moment right now. And I think uh, documents like this really just, uh, as also, you know, um, a Latino, like knowing that our communities have a moment to speak and right. to say, hey guys, things aren't going as well as you think. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, let's take it back a second and let's let you know what's going on for real. Um, so now, Cody, in this document, the list of charges begins with, we have watched you unchallenge your white privilege, inviting us to traffic in the very racism and patriarchy that festers in our bodies while we protest against it on your stages. We see you. I mean, extremely powerful words to open up with. And, and the shocking part to so many, not maybe anybody in communities of color, is that these actions come from liberal theater people, the people that claim to have been evolved past this, you know? Right. Uh, Cody, you shared a list of personal stories of racism and racist phrases said right to your face that I, are essential to this conversation. And I know when I read them, I was blown away, disgusted, horrified, shocked. Um, mm -hmm. can, you, can you tell us about some of these stories and, and, and your experiences among this? Yeah, I mean, um, the stories that I shared, I think people um, feel comfortable um, saying these things because they they aren't aware that that is problematic they aren't aware that it's insensitive and you know racist um and and for years um we've allowed it to happen because we don't necessarily hold people accountable or call people out or um or say something in the moment so it, so the the trend continues um so uh, kind of what I spoke about were a lot of microaggressions and um, not all, but uh, a lot of them were. And it was just instances of, of, of people um, making jokes or um, inadvertently saying um, insensitive things and not realizing um, what it actually meant. And that's the thing, right? The, these microaggressions, these jokes that we, you know, a, a lot of times among cast members, crew members and everything that we, that people for so long have thought we're okay right they, they're 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 not realizing that they're not okay they're absolutely right. not okay somebody walks away with pain from these uh at somebody else's expense of course you know? yeah um are what are how do we start to change some of this dialogue there how do we start to uh you know the, the dialogue of these microaggressions these moments that happen at the call board or backstage and things like that well the first step is awareness the first step is people actually knowing that that uh, that they should think about what they say. I know that's such a um, a small thing to say, but a lot of people don't think before they speak. Um, right, yeah. You know, they mm -hmm. they speak freely from past experiences, the way they were brought up by what they see on TV, and you know, they think it's okay to continue this type of behavior, and and no one else steps in to stop it because. Um, that's just not the norm. So we have to make that the norm. If, you know, if people continue to, to react out this way or, or speak freely and say race and make racial slurs or racial comments or microaggressions, not only um, should the person who is directed towards say something um, if they're comfortable, but people mm -hmm. around it, if they hear it, they have to intervene. And I think that's extremely important. I think what's um, what's powerful right now and what is so important about this movement that's happening right now is the, the country is talking about how systemic racism and white supremacy has 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 always been kind of like how things started in this country. And, and and even when slavery ended, 
they, the, the policing system was a continuation of slavery in, in, in terms of keeping people down. Um, I think we, we as, we as uh, theater artists kind of um, have this, this kind of umbrella statement that we're all liberal and we're all anti-Trump, and, and which, is, which is usually true. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there is kind of like this white, um, that, that people of color are just, we're just guests at the party. Um, yes, and yes. I think um, I've been made to, I, I can only speak to my personal experience that as an Asian American performer, um, whenever I'm in a cast where it's, where it's all white people and me, um, I, it's the tokenism at where I'm being told you're just, you should be lucky that you just have it, that you have a job or God, aren't you glad the King and I exists or aren't you glad Miss Saigon exists in the world so that your people can have a job, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's statements like that. And it's the microaggressions within the audition rooms and microaggressions in the casting offices that we, that now that we, there are people who are the, the playwrights, who are the directors, the artistic directors, um, who are the producers, uh, we're finally acknowledging that we as storytellers have to acknowledge that there is a bias towards telling white stories and that when every time there is something other than the white story being told, it's an exception to the rule. And I think that's what hopefully this is trying to push the envelope for and say that more inclusive voices have to be included in the conversation. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 100%. Right. And speaking on, um, on tokenism, even if these comments aren't being said, when you're the only person in the room, you already feel like an outsider. Right. So, yes. so as you said, we have to start using more inclusive voices and just um, inclusivity across the board. Do, do you find, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm still shocked that, that both of you have said that story about saying, aren't you glad that King and I, I mean, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. If you saw a visual of my mouth right now, it's like Sebastian and the Little Mermaid when he yeah. sees her legs <laughs> to the floor. <laughs> right. I mean, the irony being that the, the two most employing shows in musical theater for Asian Americans were started by, by casting white men as the, as the male lead of both shows, you know, exactly. it's the irony there. Um, but you know, Asian Americans in, on Broadway, for musical theater actors, we like wait for every 10 or 15 years when either Miss Saigon or King and I comes back and then we can get a big group of us together in one room, you know? So, um, it's, 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 it's exciting now that there are actual, uh, you know, storytellers who want to tell, a diverse story and that we're part of that inclusion. And that's why it was so powerful for me to be invited into the first, first, and I only say the first because there are now, you know, tens of thousands of signatures on this, but to be included among people that I look up to so much and want to, uh, uh, you know, 
think that to me that to, to know that that's the future of theater, um, the, the 300 names, the initial first 300 names is exciting to me. And um, I've made a promise to myself to make it a point to, to know those 300 names well and to make sure that I, I, I try to connect with as many of them as I can in my, for the rest of my career. Absolutely. Jose, you, you mentioned something that I think is uh, actually you gave me a, a perfect segue there. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, in, in, so Asian Americans, you know, as we all know in the theater, you guys are remarkably underrepresented in the mm -hmm. entertainment world. I mean, remarkably. And in Wilson's The Ground on Which I Stand, he states, I am what is known as a race man. That is simply that I believe that race matters. That is the largest, most identifiable, and most important part of our personality. It is the largest category of identification because it is the one that most influences your perception of yourself. Hmm. And it is the one to which others in the world of men most respond. Mm -hmm. Now, for you, what are examples where you think the theater got this right or is getting this right, where, where, where they are giving audiences true Asian-American authenticity and, and with that also, what are steps we should be taking to allow for larger Asian-American authenticity and representation? You know, the hard thing is just to begin with, I mean, I've, I've been on countless uh, panels uh, talking about Asian-American representation in theater. The, 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 the thing that's hard to begin with is that Asian-Americans is a wide range of different races, of different countries and different uh, cultures, you know, kind of lumped into one, which is all that initially that's, that's difficult. You know, it's like, you know, Korean culture and Japanese culture and Filipino culture are very old and different things, you know, and, but in America, we're kind of lumped into one thing. Um, I think there's, uh, there's this uh, model minority myth that is perpetuated in this country that, that I was raised in as a, as an immigrant where it basically said, just keep your head down and you will succeed and don't make a stir. Mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunately has, that's, that's how we're, we're treated a lot in theater where, you know, I've had even just now, I mean, um, I, 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 my last, I did the King and I tour, um, in the UK, um, there was a person in power who basically said to one of the ensemble women, you know, you, you complain too much. You should just be thankful to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew, it, I mean, everyone heard it and it, it, everyone, she may not have, technically implied that it was that race was involved but she was in a room with 35 asian people and she was this white woman you know and she said it like that and we all all of the hairs in the back of our neck stood up and so i think to to better we what's what's nice is that i've, I've said this for the past 25 years of working is that the more people of color, the more Asian people are uh, are being put in positions of power which is why it's so important that as new artistic directors get get minted and, and get welcomed into uh, regional theaters, the more people of color who are in those positions of power, the more playwrights, the more costume designers, set designers who are in that creative circle, um, the better, because that will dictate their story. They will want to see their stories being told on stage um, and they will be the ones hiring. You know, I think yeah. um, I had a really hard conversation with my husband the other day, you know, and we were talking about this. My husband is a, is a white male and we've had many in our 15 years together. We've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations about his white privilege and how I benefit from being married to that white privilege now. Um, but I looked at my resume and I look at my uh, the career I'm very proud of and I and I had to go, oh, damn it, every every director that I'm proud to be associated with is, 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 is a white male. You know, what have I done to, to help, you know, other, other people of color, uh, you know, and, and so now I'm trying to do that for myself and I'm trying to, uh, really be more educated about, 
the next time I have a, uh, like a concert, maybe I will make sure that more of the people that I hire to be a part of that concert are, are people of color to give them an opportunity to, 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 to just flex their muscles in our industry. And I think that's the, that's the key. That's always been the key. Like to, yes. to, to surround yourself with people that you think need to need more opportunities. Yes. Especially when you've worked it to a point where you have more opportunity yourself. Like I've been working for a long time and I now I'm at a level where I can actually in, in, include people in my circle who need the, the experience to get to a better place. You're 100% right. I know that, that, you know, this past summer, uh, when I was doing passing through at good speed, I, on purpose, Marco Santana was brought in as a choreographer. Mm. We had worked together on your feet. And I said, I want Marcos here. I need, I want a fellow Hispanic voice with me. I want to elevate someone yeah. from my culture to this place with me to work alongside me because it's important. It's important to not, if we're telling the story of America, to have a team that looks exactly. like America, you know, it can't right. just be white gay men. <laughs> uh, exactly. you know that that's not diversity so much anymore we have no, to right? that um cody with that you know you're on the other side of the table in many ways you're a stage manager so what i have seen a lot of and i have a lot of friends that are now during this time really taking a deep delve into the world of um the people on the other side the designers the crew stage management direct all that and they're realizing casting directors that there are no people of color that are filling out these, that are in these positions throughout the Broadway community. Um, how do we fix that? How do we, how do we get that going? I mean, this, uh, it's interesting because um, it's, it's clearly not new and it's, and it's been, um, you know, a, a part of my world forever. And, and uh, the way people have been trying to fix it is is uh, basically hiring interns and basically hiring PAs and entry level positions. And then when their term is over, they don't get bumped up. They don't get mm. you know, they usually don't move on with with the next step of the process. So we're not really creating um, more jobs for people of color. We're, we're letting mm. them in the door, but we're not letting them eat at the table. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's an issue. And, and the other thing, too, is that that, yes, I'm he I, I agree that we need to start hiring more people of color across the board in these leadership positions. But but the companies that we're working for are still owned by white people. So, mm -hmm. like, the, the power still uh, is in the hands of, of, of a white company, a white producer, a white whatever, you know, and not to say that that's that that you know, they should give up their company, but also think that, you know, we have to start building our own stuff as well while we right. fight to be in included in, in these existing organizations. But you're right. I mean, uh, the, the step is to these people that you're hiring as interns actually cultivate a lane for them, actually open doors for them to move up and, and, and move on or bring in people that you don't know, you know, bring in someone who might not have you know, all of the experience and teach them. And if they can't figure it out, then move on. You know what I mean? But you have right. to try. Right. And there's a lot of trying. I hear a lot of times people are like, well, there just aren't any X, Y, and Z. I'm like, no, there are. You're just not doing the work to find them. Exactly. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, when I when I start when I was trying to make the uh, the transition from assisting to PSMing, I put up a a blanket um, Facebook status just asking like where are the um, stage managers of color in New York city? I would love to get coffee with you. And, and, and through that one message, I, I, I received like almost 80 names. And wow. so for me to, to, and I didn't, and I've only known, I only knew like maybe 10 
stage managers of color. And I've been living in New York for almost 10 years. So to, to get those many people, I'm like, people are just aren't doing the work. And this is just stage managers. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are company managers and designers and casting directors and people who are interested in so many other things, but no one is actually doing the work. We're saying we want to include people, but we're not putting in the time to find them and cultivate this new these new people, you know? And that's, and and that's the truth of it too. I mean, really that they, we do these performative actions. I feel like artistic directors a lot of times. And, and even now I'm hoping that they're listening with open ears because the wrong thing to do is like, well, we're having a diverse season next year of diverse classics. That's not enough. You know, I want to see, bring in diversity in your, you said your directors, your stage managers offer positions of power that can shape theater further. You know, it's not about doing a diverse play. That's not enough. Right. It's not about, it's not about blind casting, you know, or color, you know, color conscious casting a production. That's not enough anymore. Yeah. And the opportunities exist. There are, there are open positions that happen all the time. Like there are also commercial producers that make room for people to, to be their executive producer of their show. And like, so there are, there, there's space to cultivate a new talent. They're just not looking outside of their box. Right. So uh, I want to ask you both, and we'll go uh, Jose, Cody, uh, just in order so we both all don't talk over each other. (laughs) Um, Jose, why did you sign this document? I signed this document because I felt like now is the time for me to acknowledge all the things that I have been felt like I've been muted about from the beginning of most of my career. I think we as actors are always put in that position of, Oh, I don't want to ruffle feathers because I want to be hired by the next by the, by a person who I might insult by speaking out too much and mm-hmm. and I think I'm I'm finally old enough um, to to hopefully I mean I, I still do care about that but it's more important for me to be a part of a voice uh, so that people maybe after us have it a little easier than us and 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 the bottom line is I keep going back to the fact that we're storytellers and I think. I love theater so much and I love the, the, the art form and, and the, the physical, uh, share the sharing of stories. I just want to see more stories that are, that include stories about myself and my, and my brothers and sisters of color. I, I feel like because there has been this every, I don't want it to be, I don't want stories about people, black people, Latin people and, and Asian people to be just, Oh look, that was that's that that was one out of ten shows this season. Isn't that fun that they got to they got to work? Um, there are so many people in this country who are just waiting to fall in love with theater, and a lot of that is for them to see their own stories on stage, um, or to see them see something and then find out that it was an Asian American writer or a or a black director or a Latin choreographer, yes. um, and that's that's what inspires the next generation of theater makers is seeing. Oh, they they they're doing theater because they choose to, and they're and they're passionate about it. Um, I, I've I've been work I've been very very fortunate in my career, um, but I, I I'm realizing so much of my career I have kind of taken a lot of microaggressions and like the 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 false truism that you know Asian people don't see Broadway shows. That's why all these new shows try to come and they close. That's why Flower Drum Song closed. You know, Asian people don't buy tickets to Broadway shows. That's bullshit, and I think people buy show buy tickets to these shows because they want to see themselves on stage. They want to see their stories. They see a story that's interesting, uh, and I think too much of theater, what what the American theater thinks of itself, um, doesn't have enough inclusivity. And I want to change that. Cody, why'd you sign it? 
Um, much of the same reasons as um, Jose, actually. Um, for me, uh, I think it's our responsibility, um, and I also think it's my responsibility to do better. We have to um, do better for the next generation. And I'm not going to say we failed um, for what what we've been doing, but I but I do I do think that it's time to to step up and and you, and do better. And when I read um, uh, uh, what was sent to me before I before I signed in the early stages. Um, a lot of the things I was reading, I've, I've talked to my friends and colleagues about throughout the years and just seeing it on paper. I'm like, people don't necessarily A, understand and B, aren't aware of, of what's happening. So I thought it was very important to stand in solidarity and to, mm-hmm. to actually be on, on the right side of this. And yeah, yeah so that was the, the main reasons why I signed. I just, it's just time for us to, 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 uh, make change for the next generation. So what do you say to white theater makers who, Jose, as you said, whose theater, whose feathers were ruffled by this? Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? I say, go outside of your bubble. I think I've spent the last month and in, uh, in particular exploring names and Instagram accounts and, and Twitter accounts and websites of, of black uh, Latino and Asian artists who I maybe have only heard in passing, but didn't know too much about. Um, there is a, a wealth of talent in the world, um, particularly of BIPOC people. And, and I think to, to just and, it widen your circle, you know, spend a couple of hours going online and, and there are websites of, of talented designers and writers and artists out there um, to just widen it and and maybe the next time next major decision you have in your theater company um include more in that and and promise that you will widen uh the 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 representation in your and the people who make choices in your theater cody um i i will say if 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 there are theater companies and and people in power positions that feathers were ruffled by by reading this document or seeing this document then i think I would tell them that they should sit with themselves and wonder and, and ask themselves why um, mm-hmm. and, and work through that because that's the issue. If, if reading these statements and, and, and reading this kind of uh, open letter, um, if that made you feel, um, uh, if, that, if that ruffled you, then, then that's the point probably, but I think <laughs> you have to work yeah. through that and, and, and see what you want to do, you know, and hopefully it, it'd be um, taking steps to affect change and to include more people that don't necessarily look like you or think like you. Um, but if that's not the case, then, you know, then you got to sit with that. But I do think you have to figure out why it ruffled you, you know? Yeah. Final question for both of you. Um, what do you say to those who didn't sign it? Um. I mean, I mean to, to ask yourself the question of why is it, it was a, if it was a, if you didn't sign it out of complacency, then, then um, I, I ask you, who do you think is going to make the theater that you love, uh, but, but yourself. And if you didn't sign it out of, out of, um, you know, being against it, um, I, I don't know. Now is the time for us to, to come together and, and, and celebrate the diversity that we have in the, as theater makers in this country. And um, if if we don't stand together to do something about it now, it's only gonna. I mean, it's 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 funny. Like we have to acknowledge too that we've all been sitting at home for three months, 
um, wanting to work and, and desperate to work. And, and we're, we're given the chance to sit with, with our thoughts and understand what is it that we all want to come back to, you know, and, and do you want what we come back to, uh, to be exactly how it was before? And, and if your answer is yes, uh, then you either live in a world of privilege or in a, in a world of delusion. So, Cody? Yeah, you know, we're taught very early on that the theater is a safe place and that the theater is your family and then that, that there's this um, beautiful community within the theater. And I do agree with all three of those things, right? But right now, at this moment of time, um, your family's hurting. Your community is yeah. broken. And the theater is not a safe place all the time. Yeah. So um, by not signing this, you're not standing with your family, you know, and and if there are things you don't agree with, then reach out to someone and ask them and start these conversations. But um, uh, for people who haven't signed it, um, uh, I think that they should, like I said, they should start having these conversations with people because this is not meant to be negative. This is not calling people out. This is not making people feel like they failed um, so much as to say, we have to move forward um, making better decisions. And I, and I think that, you know, some people look at this as um, a negative thing. And also there are so many other things going on in the world right now, and there are so many battles to fight. And that doesn't mean that you can't um, do it all. You know what I mean? You can, you can, you can, you know, take on what you can take on, but, um, I, I would encourage people to, to, uh, reach out to people. And if they have questions about it, you know, engage in those questions and then reconsider why they haven't signed. I mean, I, but both of you, that is just perfectly stated. And, and I love that, who, you know, who do you, who do you think is going to make the theater you want to see? You know, that really is, that's going to resonate with me well beyond this. Um, Jose and Cody, I can't thank you enough for your brave activism that you've been showing during all of this and your voices that you're putting out there. It's incredible to stand back and watch that. And uh, thank you so much for coming on here today and diving even deeper with us. I, this is going to help a lot of people to be able to go further with that document and really put it to heart. So Thanks thank you so much. It. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, as promised weekly, we are going to go over some registration deadlines, folks, for New York State. Here we go. New York State voter registration deadline. It must be postmarked by October 9th. It must be received by October 14th. If you plan on requesting an absentee ballot, the last day to have a postmarked request is October 27th. The last day to do it in person is November 2nd. The last day to postmark the absentee ballot and send it in is November 2nd, and the last day to drop it off in person is November 3rd, Election Day. Now, this week on, well, shit happened, uh, I want to do something a little perhaps less political and a little more personal. I'd be remiss in not saying this, but as of this recording date of this episode, 132,000 Americans have lost their lives from the deadly mixture of the coronavirus and the incompetence of the Trump administration. And most recently among them, Broadway star Nick Cordero. I don't have any stories of length about time with Nick, but I do have a few days of a reading where I sat beside him each day, and that was enough. Kindness like his radiates just that powerfully. Kindness that the world has lost. So please send your love and strength to his wife Amanda and son Elvis, and please take care of one another and put on that damn mask. This virus does not understand partisanship. It just kills. 
Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, we're here every other week. So go get to work and we can't wait to have you back. Also, please consider making a donation to Fair Fight at www.fairfight.com. We know when they can't win fairly, they always try to cheat. And Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight are working hard to ensure that doesn't happen. Do You Hear the People Sing is a production of the Fabulous Invalid, LLC, and the Broadway Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Brett Ryback. Our photography is by Michael Kushner. And our graphic design is by Aviva Sakalau-Shahar. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>